The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by Santa Zach. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas indeed. To all our listeners, happy Hanukkah. Well, that was last week. Yeah, whatever you're celebrating, we're here to wish you a happy holidays. Yeah, we got you this box by Knuckles. Don't tell anyone we stole it. You're going to you're going to hear a lot of that today, a lot of sticky finger discussion. Um so, today is well, December 25th. Um you should be hearing this on the 26th. Uh, the next data report is still scheduled for, uh, the 31st New Year's Eve and the next podcast still scheduled for Saturday the 2nd, but we're just going to get right into the meta here and, uh, can't really talk about the meta without talking about Shaman. Yeah. So Evolve Shaman is broken. Um, we had a uniquely written report because when the situation is this dire, you're only left to meme. Um, Evolve Shaman is, looks unstoppable. It has essentially no bad matchups. It's slightly unfavored against Aggro Demon Hunter, but that's pretty much it. And Aggro Demon Hunter, we'll talk about that deck later, is not particularly powerful. So, matchup spread-wise, there are no counters uh, that can reliably beat Evolve Shaman. Now... There is a counter, which is a card called Sticky Fingers. Um, but even Sticky Fingers had, have had uh, different experiences with it lately. Um, to explain it in, in simple terms is that it's not enough to just shove Sticky Finger in your deck and hope to reliably counter Evolve Shaman. You need to remove their early game stuff before turn five before you get to sticky finger because if they play their you know small minions and you don't remove them then once they equip box by knuckles and they produce their evolved board on five even if you sticky finger the second charge it usually means that there's too much pressure uh, for you to be able to deal with it. And you're probably still going to die. So. Just shoving sticky finger. I've seen like people. Put sticky finger in druid. And it doesn't really work. Because druid has very poor early game removal. It looks to ramp. Mostly. So by the time. Uh, we get to turn 5. If the druid did not ramp significantly. And that means Shaman is evolving a few minions with the Bog Spine. So even if you stick a finger, you're probably are still in a losing position. So you need a deck like Warlock. I've been playing Galakorn Warlock that is capable of removing the early game minions of Shaman. And then you play the Sticky Fingers. It works in Priest as well. It works in, it can work in Paladin. Decks that have uh, the ability to challenge uh, Shaman's early board, and they don't develop a lot of things on the board, but it definitely feels like you have to kill everything. Sometimes I 
just play school spirits just to kill the custodian. Three mana deal two damage. That's it. Just to kill their... Just to prevent them from having any stuff. Because you cannot afford to get punched um, by their minions at all. Because they have endless weapons. Right? Endless weapon damage. So it's very difficult to reliably beat that deck. Though I've done really well with Gallic Morlock before the report. And then after the report came out, today I played some games and I went 2-5. and five. With my Warlock with double Sticky Fingers. I went 2-5 and five against Evolve Shaman. And I previously went something like 12-2 and two in the build-up to the report. So I don't know. Maybe I've had bad luck uh, today. Or maybe people are just building their Shaman decks better and better. And making it even more difficult to beat. Um, also, you can play... Um, lightning bloom into into box pine, and then the sticky finger usually comes in too late. Like you literally need a sticky finger uh, to steal their second swing, because if once they manage to break their own box pine, then horde pillager comes online, and your sticky finger becomes a lot worse. Uh, so it, it's it's bigger than just stealing their swing, right? It's about preventing them from pillaging uh another box spine knuckles so very hard to beat evolve shaman um it's a deck that's just unstoppable because all of its counters were nerfed um it wasn't touched so it's just dominating it's also good against rogue and all rogue is also very very successful any deck that is remotely passive has no hope no hope whatsoever of doing anything against Evolve Shaman without weapon tech. You just have no hope, no chance whatsoever. The only class that looks capable of contesting Shaman without weapon tech is Warrior. And that's only if you run Double Brawl. If you don't run Double Brawl, you're unfavored in the matchup. And because you have insane life gain and removal. So Warrior is an extremely resilient class, and as such, is actually capable of fending off the aggression of the Shaman in the mid-game without weapon tech. So that's pretty much it. Evolve Shaman is out of control. The builds um, that we're featuring this week in the report for Evolve Shaman are only going to make that deck better. Um, funnily, um, Shaman as well is a a class that wants to run weapon tech, only that Sticky Finger is an awkward card to run an Evolve Shaman, because if you're running any other matchup and you're running Pillager, you don't really want to steal other weapons from other classes. You just care about resurrecting your Bogspine Knuckles, right? The other thing is Sticky Fingering your Bogspine that got fingered by your opponent is not super realistic. Because usually you play box spine and you hit, you swing your first charge, you, your second charge gets stolen, but your opponent will use their second charge and upgrade their sticky finger into a six drop every time. So you don't really have the opportunity to steal it back. It's not realistic to play uh, sticky finger just for that scenario. You can do that in the mirror, 
But again, it just seems very situational. But you do, you can run Harrison Jones. Uh, Wire has been playing Harrison Jones, which is why we had data on Harrison Jones. And then the card is very impressive. Because unlike Ooze, it draws you cards. It's really good with Box by Knuckles as well, because it can be evolved to a 6-drop. And it's very good against Warrior and Rogue. Uh, against Rogue, it's very nice against their Dagger, because you're playing a 5-mana, five 5-4, five, draw 2 cards. That's already a pretty good deal. Um, and against Warrior, for obvious reasons, you've got things like Bulwark. You've got Wrench Caliber. You've got their uh, weapon from Sword Eater. So you always have a good target against Warrior. Uh, so Weapon Tech is really good. And it's also good in Shaman. Just that Shaman ends up running a slightly different Weapon Tech. Uh, regarding the builds, you've got the Corruptor build with a little bit more spells in the early game. That build is surprisingly effective still. I thought it would be clearly worse uh, compared to the Coaster build before the patch. But it ends up being very competitive with it. And the post the the coaster build is all about, you know, it's more about not really having early plays, but just focusing on turn five, with coaster, with sea giants, with mogul flay shaper, uh, being more powerful in that particular build, uh, and also running novice engineer. Novice engineer is an adjustment um, for this meta because it's lower. You have more time. So you can afford to play a card like Novice Engineer in order to increase your draw consistency. But don't keep Novice Engineer in a mulligan. If you have Novice Engineer in a mulligan, you can just mulligan it away. And that's essentially paying zero mana to do the same thing that Novice Engineer does. What you really want is Custodian and Knuckles. You don't really care about other cards uh, besides those. And if you have Knuckles, a way to draw Knuckles already, then a Dread Corsair is really nice, of course. But uh, uh, that's pretty much it. Another adjustment that it's possible that possibly circumvents uh, sticky fingers to some degree. If there's a really high prevalence of sticky fingers in the meta, you can swap the engineer for revolve. Um, revolve is not particularly strong, and its reactive power against rogue is extremely overrated. You know we've been hearing. A lot of this sentiment that we run a revolver now because rogue is popular but it's actually not the case at all the card doesn't help in that matchup that you know theoretical power against edwin and qa is not in practice um panning out what you want revolve for is to have desert hair on turn four that kind of blows out sticky fingers because if you desert hair Revolve on four, then what are they going to do with their sticky finger in their hand? It's, it, they're still going to die, right? And if your weapon keeps getting stolen, uh, you still have another uh, evolve effect uh, to work with hair, with coaster, with things like that. So you're not completely dependent on your weapons. So in a, in a meta that has high weapon tax, which I think is mostly a top legend, um, then revolve becomes a more reasonable choice in that deck than it is, I think, throughout most of the ladder. You just rather um, not run the card because it's terrible in the mirror, specifically. And looking at the report, it does seem like there is another Shaman deck that would theoretically be good, but it's based on running weapons, and after what you just talked about, 
I don't know if we can get away with doom hammering right now. You can't. Okay. Um, based on my experience, you can't. Like I've run into aggro shaman uh, multiple times, and I always lose because what happens is I keep sticky finger, and then I see one drops and two drops and three drops, and I just die. Uh, and the the funny thing is, you can steal their doom hammer with sticky finger, and that sounds devastating in theory, but you still die. <laughs> like if you if you just if you're just all about stealing their weapon on turn five against that deck, you're going to die because unlike Evolve Shaman, that deck actually has a one to four curve that is threatening. And if you cannot answer it, you're going to just die to minions. So Aggro Shaman is good. Uh, it's it's actually very powerful. The build that we have in the report, the Doomhammer Aggro Shaman, is comparable in its power level right now to Evolve Shaman. Now, it's doing that because, you know, it's not getting attention, right? And it's definitely, I think, benefiting from mull mistakes, right? People are mismulling against that deck because nobody expects it. But it is very successful. Uh, the bottom line is you can take Aggro Shaman to the ladder, even in the Sticky Finger meta, and do very well with it. And people have been doing extremely well with it. Um, it's a powerful deck that is not really getting the attention that it deserves because, you know, we have Evolve Shaman. And people are mostly focused on that. And Evolve Shaman is the better deck. It's the stronger deck. I think Aggro Shaman has just taken advantage of the fact that all the focus and attention is on Evolve Shaman. And Evolve Shaman has a really linear game plan. Really linear. Very, very uh, targetable, I would say. I mean, in terms of... What needs to happen for you to beat Evolve Shaman is really simple. So people focus on that, and that kind of game plan is not really working against Aggro Shaman because it's not all about the Doomhammer and stealing the weapons. Um, so that's pretty much it. Aggro Shaman is also good, but Evolve Shaman is absolutely broken. As we said before, out of control. This deck is historically broken. Like These are historical levels of oppression. That we're seeing, and yeah, um, pretty much it's either play a shaman and win a lot, or try your best at beating it and get frustrated eventually. Or, if you prefer rogue and you don't mind a slightly not great matchup against evolve shaman, a slightly unfavored at least. It it depends. Yeah, it depends. It depends. You can play the other broken deck. Yeah, the secret build of Miracle Rogue is clearly unfavored against Evolve Shaman, but the combo build with Will Kickmaster is actually very, very close. Forces a very close matchup against Evolve Shaman to the point where it doesn't really feel like an unfavorable. Because you can snowball harder, uh, we also advise to play two questing adventures in that particular build because you can actually support it. Um, you know, we've added the, uh, we've swapped SI7 Agent for Brain Freeze. Brain Freeze is a card that's weaker than SI7 Agent, but is stronger specifically with Questing Adventure and Well Kickmaster. Just fuels your deck up. Also, a good, efficient reactive tool that can help you fight off uh, Shaman. Because, you know, one mana DO3 can definitely help you clear one of their minions, for example. And clearing their minions is really important. Because you know, those minions just keep getting involved, and they just value trade and evolve, and value trade and evolve. So breaking that chain by 
clearing the stuff is extremely valuable. And Brain Freeze offers that more than SI7 Agent. Um, so Rogue is extremely powerful. And as we highlight in the report, would absolutely be a tier S deck if Shaman wasn't a tier S deck. Um, so Rogue is a, is a big balancing problem as well. The, the deck is just overtuned as well. It's just being overshadowed a little bit by Evolve Shaman. But the play rate at top legend, you see as many rogues as you see shamans. Because, you know, rogue is extremely, extremely powerful. Um, and yeah, basically, the well kick build is better right now. It's clearly better. It's not, it's not that there is, like, some sort of preference. It's clearly better because it's much better against Evolve Shaman. And that's what matters. The secret build is just a little bit better in the mirror, but not significantly so. Maybe a 2% advantage, maybe a 3% advantage in the mirror. It's not that big of an advantage. Uh, the secret build does ha do better in some matchups, but they're obviously not as popular as Evolve Shaman. And what matters is how you do against Evolve Shaman in this meta, which is why I would give the significant edge right now to the Will Kick build. I would call it, I don't know, the Will Kick build um, is maybe tier S minus, and the secret build is like a tier 1 deck. Uh, that's kind of the difference uh, between them in terms of win rate, maybe a percent, 1%, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, but yeah, Rogue is really, really good. Uh, the secret build, um, we would still not run two questing adventures because uh, they're pretty awkward uh, in the secret build, and they're difficult to support. Two questing adventures is a lot better in the combo build. You just have much more fuel uh, alongside it. Uh, what the secret build can do, and we recommend doing, if you do decide to run that build, is to still run Plunderers. You know, people may associate Plunderer as a combo synergy card, but it's just a good rogue card. And it's good enough to put in the secret build even without the combo synergy. So it's, it's stronger than Eviscerate. Um, it's a little bit better in the Shaman matchup, for sure, because it allows you, again, to respond to some of their minions and gives you better uh, reactive tools. Though, obviously, the Secret build uh, doesn't have the finishing potential of the combo. Yeah, it's the Secrets seem to just not line up quite as well with the current meta. They, they're really value-focused, and so much of what's going on right now is just, can you kill them by turn 6 or so? It's still a tier one deck. Yeah. It's still really powerful. Still very, very it's just good. not as powerful as the combo build. Yeah, that's pretty much it. If you want to maximize your win rate, then you run the will kick build without a doubt because it is better. But it's not like the secret build is bad. Correct. <laughs> secret build is still the third de best deck in the game. Rogue's right? cards don't oh. really cost enough mana no matter which version of Rogue you're playing. So... It's it's kind of crazy, right? Because these decks top out at three mana, and then they have Jandis. And Rogue outvalues every deck in the game. Like you have a you have a mana curve that tops out at three mana with one Jandis. That's a five mana card. That's the only one that costs more than three. And this deck runs a lot of cheap stuff and things that like preparation that doesn't even have value and foxy fraud and you outvalue everything rogue outvalues priest like it's just crazy how you know 
the draw and the generation has reached the point where you can top out at three and just outvalue control decks. Like Rogue feels like it never runs out of cards. We've reached the point where it just never runs out of stuff. Like they, they reload and they play stuff and they reload and they play stuff and they reload and then they secret passage and they get more reload cards off the secret passage. And sometimes you have moments where they have one or two cards in hand and you think this is it. And then well kick master into something, into a generate swindle. And that that's it, GG. Eight cards. I've had a game today that I won. I won that game, but they had two cards in hand. And the next turn they had nine cards in hand. Eight of them were generated. Lackeys and and discovers off of lackeys and, and well kick master generation. It just like they just never run out of stuff. They always have a way to continue playing the game and stay in the game. And that's why uh, the class is so strong, right? Because there are so many moments where you know other classes would 100% lose the game. 100% would lose the game. But Rogue feels like it always has a chance. Yep, and it feels correct quite often to Secret Passage with two or three mana up, and you'll usually get to play two or three cards. Yeah, because the curve is so cheap. Players at lower levels may mis- might be misusing Secret Passage because they're waiting to 5-6 mana in order to play it. But honestly, I've seen moments where my opponent Secret Passages with 0 mana left. Like, without any mana. Or with 1 mana left. And he would play all of his cards somehow off of the Secret Passage. You know, you get prep, you get Shadow Stab, you get all sorts of nonsense like that. Foxy fraud, and before you know it, like suddenly they suddenly played four cards for one mana. It happens, so it's definitely uh, a deck that's extremely flexible. And you know, when you top your cur- again, like a, a mana curve that tops out at three, essentially, and all values control decks is pretty crazy, right? It's, it's pretty insane, but that's yeah. what Rogue does right now. And that's why it's so powerful and um, pretty oppressive as well, uh, I would say. Uh, the only reason why we're not calling Rogue oppressive is because there is a deck that's actually more oppressive. It's all relative, right? But if Shaman was nerfed today, then Rogue would be, I don't know, 30% of the meta. Maybe even more than 30%. It would reach absurd levels. So we also say in the report, if you ever nerf Shaman, and please should nerf Shaman, somehow... Get a patch out today, tomorrow, next week. I don't know what. From vacation. Through vacation, do it. But you got to nerf Rogue too. Uh, that's the message. Yes. But I imagine that they will probably not be working on anything until the 4th when they're back in the office. We'll see. We'll see. Probably, um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure. I, they're, they're, I don't expect anything before January 19th, honestly. I have lowered my expectation to the point where I don't think there will be any balance changes until the 19th. Maybe we'll see something on the 12th, a week before the mid-set that I expect, but probably not even that. I fully expect that if there are balance changes, they will occur with the mid-expansion set. But we'll see. Um, that means we, we're going to see a lot more shamans until then. I'm hoping for the fifth because I think leaving this for another full month would be a mistake. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess we'll see what they can get done in time. I mean, there are logistics involved with releasing patches. You know, you can't yeah. just 
order a patch from today to tomorrow. I'm not like it, it's not how it works. Uh, so yeah, there's I've lowered my expectations. There's localizations and deployment and blah blah blah. I I don't know the specifics, but I know that it takes some spin up time. I'm just I'm hopeful they have something planned that they can see before they get back in the office, and then when they get in, they hit the ground running. But that is optimistic. Yeah, I'm also hoping for something like that, but we'll see. The point is, Shaman is the best. Rogue is also the best, second best. Play these classes if you want to win. And now we'll talk about the other classes and see how they can fight back if they can in some capacity. Because there is a way to fight back. You're just you're just not not at an advantage. You're you're playing at a higher difficulty. You think you can think about it as playing at a higher difficulty. Yes, if you want to handicap yourself, you can run Skipper Smith Bloodsworn, which is kind of a crazy situation to be in that Warrior is is holding back your own win rate by choosing to play it, but here we are. Yeah, but Warrior is probably the class that's closest in terms of power level to the top two classes, and you know we've, we've labeled it as a meta breaker because honestly, if there is a meta breaker and this, if there's something that can break this meta, it's warrior, um, because it's the only class that seems capable of perhaps holding an advantage in both the Miracle Rogue matchup and the Evolved Shaman matchup. Now you need to build it uh, with some specific card choices that make it happen, but it can happen, and we see we see in the data that it's possible. Uh, and that's mostly a control warrior that seems to be the most promising, but there's also enrage warrior. We'll mention that. Uh, but control warrior basically has runs three win conditions right now. We're seeing ATC builds. We're seeing Silas o, uh, OTK builds with Ashtong, Soulbound Ashtong, and Shield Slam. And then we've got the Cthulhu builds. And the Cthulhu builds, they weigh down the win rate of the entire archetype. Um, they definitely make Control Warrior look worse statistically than it can. I think Control Warrior can potentially be a Tier 1 deck. Uh, the only issue is that its matchup spread, you know, it, it has its issues, right? It's better than it looks, but it's still a deck that can, you know, lose to random things like Druid and Priest uh, that Shaman and Rogue generally don't have problems with. But Warrior some, somewhat struggles. Uh, but if you run, the most important thing is run Double Brawl. Uh, as long as you run Double Brawl, you should have enough removal to be able to fend off Shaman's uh, Onslaught uh, through Knuckles and, and such. Um, you have really good defensive tools, other defensive tools that help you bear off, uh, gets you out of top spots very often in that matchup. Uh, also very good against Rogue. Uh, th the only question is whether you run Silas OTK or the ETC combo. Now, there is no... I wouldn't say there's a there's a clearly better choice. Uh, ETC combo is just more solid. It's a more reliable win condition. Because you can ETC, you can do the combo with ETC when you're at 5 life. Lost the board completely. You can still go for the draw. Find your combo and win. You cannot do that with the Silas OTK deck. Because you have to have a lot of armor. You have to have like 30 armor in order to OTK someone. 
and and that that can be difficult even if you have the um skipper armor smith blood source mercenary if you pull that off because if you fall behind on board and you do that you still get smacked and you know eventually players identify what you are right the silas win condition can sometimes catch people off guard they don't expect it but usually if you see a mercenary used early on or you see a card like bladestorm these days you can already suspect that this is a silas otk deck which means you need to punch him in the face and reduce their armor. And if you do that, you can avoid getting OTK'd, and then the warrior just has no way to win. So, ETC combo is more stable of a win condition. You can always pull it off as long as you draw your deck. Now, the advantage of the Silas build, obviously, is that you have, you can potentially have infinite damage, right? Uh, so that has its merits and also it's a little bit more uh, you know you have less combo pieces you can use mercenary more freely without gimping your late game win conditions so it does have that uh, obviously the Silasul DK still has rattle gore and it can still win through rattle gore uh, so it's not completely one dimensional but it really depends on maybe player preference as well so I would say if the Silas build was more popular, it would be worse. It's kind of a fringe win condition that shines because it's fringe. Because players can sometimes get caught off guard by it and they don't play around it as well as they could by punching the warrior in the face and reducing the armor. So that's pretty much the difference. The, the shell otherwise is very, very similar. Um... But both are very effective in the current meta, as long as you run the defensive shell that you're required to do, which is Double Brawl. And you can play Bomb if you want to, which was already playing Double Brawl, um, but the Shaman matchup is still pretty not great there. Yeah, even if you run Double Brawl, the problem with the Bomb Warrior matchup is that you're passive, you're more passive in the early game, and you're more prone to just getting your head smacked by box by knuckles over and over and you don't run sword eater which is also a very important card to clean up the early game of the shaman before they equip the box spine. so you you definitely have some big sacrifices in bomb warrior that make your shaman matchups worse but it's very powerful against most other things it's very powerful against rogue because Rogue is not really fast, it fools around, you know, plays for value. So you just smack it with wrench calibers, and that's pretty effective against it. Um, but I do I do think that Sticky Fingers, like, a rise in Sticky Fingers is going to obliterate that deck. Uh, it's just, it, it's not like Agro Shaman that, you know, you play minions in the early game. Bomb Warrior doesn't do anything other than play wrench calibers. All of it's damaged through weapons, pretty much. So if you play Sticky Fingers against that deck, it's even more debilitating than against Evolve Shaman. It's even worse to lose your wrench caliber in Bombware than it is Box Pine Knuckles. Because you you still have game as the Evolve Shaman, even with one charge of Box Pine Knuckles. But Bombware is not functional. Yeah. Every single deck you made just started with the word Sticky Finger when I was putting them on the website. Like, it's 
we have we have worked as hard as we can to create a hostile environment to bomb warrior. We have to like sticky figures are essential because evolve shaman is out of control. Yeah. Uh, so the third deck, the third warrior deck that I also see a lot of promise with because it matches up well against rogue and shaman is enrage warrior. And the funny thing about Enrage Warrior is that people are running the ETC combo, and there's a lot of hype around Enrage Warrior with ETC combo. But actually, actually, had ETC combo is a liability rather than an advantage with that deck. Just like, kill him with Grom. Right. Who cares? Just kill him with Grom. Yeah, Grom and Kogron Elite. You don't need like you don't need to OTK anyone with with Enrage Warrior because you pressure early. You smack them. You lower their health total. You don't need to 30 to 0 uh, opponents when you're playing a proactively aggressive deck. So you also lose your... like If you don't run Shield of Honor, then, you know, Wormall Challenger is so much weaker in the early game. Like, you really want to be able to buff that and make that a threat sometimes. And And if you drop Shield of Honor, then you can't do that. It's uh, it just makes your your game plan less flexible overall, and considering that you can still do a lot of damage with Kokron, Bloodsworn, Inner Rage, and you still have the reach of the Grom, it's really not necessary to run the ETC combo. So Rage Warrior is also a very good deck, very strong deck. I wish we had more data on it. I'm pretty sure it would be close to tier one if we did. Um. But it's it's strong. Just stick to the basics. Um, one one change we did make is we cut cash and the scythe for evil quartermasters. Evil quartermasters are very good right now in every warrior deck, including enrage warrior. And we're just cutting weapons in general from decks that don't necessarily need those weapons in order to function because of sticky fingers. You don't want to give your opponent more reasons to finger you, right? So that's pretty much it. When we, we do see it. Weapons, like things like Hammer of the Narrow have gotten worse, are getting worse every day because of the Sticky Finger meta. Like uh, as more and more Sticky Fingers come into the meta, these weapons get collateral damage. And you'd rather not run them if you can afford not to run them. And and I imagine the same thing is happening to weapons like Aldraki Warblades. Yep. Uh, and the thing is that Demon Hunter cannot really avoid that because its weapons are crucial for its game plan. Though I will say that this is not a wrench caliber situation, right? Soul Demon Hunter is not getting crushed because people are stealing the second charge of Mar- Marrow Slicer. That's not what... Trust me when I tell you, if I queue Control Warlock in order to beat the Shamans with my Sticky Fingers, I am still going to die to Soul Demon Hunter, because that matchup is horrid. So that's not Demon Hunter's problem. Demon Hunter's problem is that it got a lot of nerfs, and its nerfs made it weaker. Um, weak enough for Evolve Shaman to just get out of control. Um, Soul Demon Hunter and Agro Demon Hunter are viable. They're okay. They're kind of they're playable, but they're just not particularly good anymore because they got pretty hefty nerfs. You know, we talked about nerfing Blade Dance or nerfing Mystic. They ended up nerfing both of these cards. So 
the ability to clear the board or Soul Demon Hunter got hit mul through multiple, both of its big, powerful board clears. And Aqua Demon Hunter, you know, Dreadlord's Bite is a big nerf. Voracious Reader is a huge nerf. Voracious Reader is also a very awkward nerf with Polkit and Skull because sometimes you Polkit and you Skull and the next cards you want to draw are Dreadlord's Bite and Still Stepper, and suddenly you see a Voracious Reader. It just, you know, it kind of disrupts the that that mana curve uh, by not providing you with immediate damage post-Polkit. Obviously, Polkit at 5 mana, you know, you would think that this card was now too slow for Anchor Demon Hunter, but Anchor Demon Hunter still wants to run it. Uh, because the, the late game of Skull of an Altruist it's just too important. So you so you just play it on 5. And the Skull comes down on 6 anyway. That doesn't change. The only difference is that you can no longer, you know, you miss a mana. Uh, which is significant. But again, that top end is far too important. Now what we did notice though. Is that, you know, a card like Cold Neophyte is much worse. Now it's not too surprising. You look at um, Evolve Shaman's decklist. The coaster build. Which is the more popular build. Neophyte does nothing against that. Essentially nothing. And Neophyte is not particularly great against Rogue either. Which means Neophyte is just not a good card right now. Um, Umberwing is also not as essential because there are no mirrors. You don't see a lot of mirrors and fighting for the board early is not that important. So you want a way to still be able to disrupt... Um, some of these dominant decks right now, and Mana Burn does the job pretty well. Mana Burn is good against both Rogue and Shaman. You play that on turn 4 against Shaman, and they cry. Anything that makes you delay their box by Knuckles is pretty much the difference between winning and losing a game. Because if they cannot equip box by Knuckles, then they're one turn away from blowing you out with Mogu Flesh Aper, which is can be the difference between winning and losing games. It's kind of like playing Mana Burn on turn 3 against Druid, right? So that they cannot overgrowth. Pretty much the same principle. So we noticed that Mana Burn got a lot better. So we kind of recommend to run Mana Burn now. And it's also obviously good against Rogue because, you know, deny Rogue's mana. You know, they can do a lot with very little mana, but if you, any kind of mana that you disrupt and deny from them can be pretty significant. And then we have the final deck, which is Lifesteal Demon Hunter. And Lifesteal Demon Hunter is getting a lot of hype. Now, I'm not writing this deck off. I'm never writing this deck off. Definitely not considering, you know, it's a skill testing deck. And it's a deck that, you know, we know, we've seen before, that it can... Get, find some way, some solution through refinement and drastically improve its performance. So I'm definitely not going to judge this deck right now, but I will say that based on its current result, it's it's overhyped. It's overplayed, at even a top legend. Uh, you know, you had a couple of individuals hitting number one legend with it and even saying that the deck is now better after the nerfs. And that's nonsense to me. Uh, it's not better after the nerfs. It lost its best matchup. It, it lost its best matchup, which is an aggro Demon Hunter. That was a 70-30 matchup that it lost. Blade Dance is a significant nerf. Don't let anyone tell you it wasn't. And 
Polkit also got nerfed, so that card is also a turn slower and one mana slower. And that change may not be as major, but it feels like um, Lifesteal Demon Hunter's life is definitely more difficult. Now, can that change? Of course it can change. Uh, but it probably needs some someone to figure out how to best build it after the talent changes, if there's a way to improve it. Because right now, it's not even performing well at Top Legend. Like, I'm seeing an improvement. It it definitely performs better at Top Legend than compared to Diamond 4, right? It does a lot better at Top Legend, but not to the extent where it's, you know, where we saw it uh, be, just before the patch, where it started to get serious. It started to, to perform at a level where it was like, okay, this is a, actually a threat. This is a, actually a meta contender. I'm not seeing that right now, so... That's what I can report. Before the patch, it looked a lot like the early stages of Turtle Mage. And now it doesn't. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Turtle Mage was also kind of like that. Where it got a lot of hype initially, but performed really poorly. But, you know, builds were figure out. We actually <laughs> figure out how to best build Turtle Mage in that situation. Um... And the deck started to spike in its win rate before being nerfed. Uh, with Lifesteal, same story, only the refinement came from, you know, players like Frozen, like Pascoa, uh, and others that um, pocket, uh, pocket Train, that, you know, worked on this deck and helped improve it, um, optimize it to the point where it became really scary. And now it got hit with nerfs, nerfs that also indirectly hit its matchup spread. And it's looking pretty weak right now. But we'll see. Maybe it can come back again. Uh, but I would say its play rate is overrepresented for sure based on how it, it does. Because it doesn't do well right now. It doesn't seem to be doing well right now. Outside of a few individuals. Reporting success is very selective. Yes. And you don't you don't see a lot of posts from the people that did 20 damage and then conceded. So... Speaking of doing not enough damage than conceding, let's talk about Priest. Yeah, so Priest, I think Priest is actually quite okay in this meta. But it's mostly a top legend where it's okay. And that's because, you know, Priest is a class that has strong to strong specific tools that are good in, in specific situations. And that kind of lends itself to Priest being a class that shines more when the meta is this warped. When you're dealing with the same two opponents, two or three opponents every time, then you have some nice silver bullets in order to target them. And Priest kind of does well at Top Legend because of it. Because you all, you see Shaman and Rogue. I'm playing at, at uh, uh, fairly high at Legend. Uh, around 200 on EU, close to 200 on EU, close to 200, 300 on NA as well. And I'm seeing Shaman Rogue, Shaman, Shaman, Rogue, Shaman, Rogue, Warrior. Shaman, 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 Warrior, Rogue. That, that's my matchup spread right now around there. And if you're a priest, you can actually pretty do, do pretty well against that field. Now, Highlander Priest, you know, has regularly seen some success. And uh, I think its win rate, you know, at Top Legend is nearing 50%. And it's possible that it will eventually eclipse that mark um, because, you know, it's very hard 
you know, to optimize that deck if you're just playing at platinum, right? You're playing at platinum. There's like a diverse meta of all sorts of things. There are a lot of shamans, but there are a lot of other weird things too. And it can get kind of hard for priests to, to build a consistent list. Also, better players build priests better. Tend to build it better. Tend to make a few card choices that matter a lot at timely moments. Because they're well-versed with the with the class and, and the tools that are required to beat certain things. So the quicker to adapt. And this is why the deck performs better at higher levels of play. Also has a an above average skill cap, but it's mostly about optimizing its build. And, you know, Hounder Priest, because of that, does pretty well at high levels of play. Uh, and I would say, if you can, it, like the list in the report is one, you know, you can still tweak a few cards. I've seen since then, developments, people are running, um, someone hit number one legend, running Cleric of Scales with Twilight Drake. I've also seen Volpera Scoundrel as a potential card to to add to that list, but that specific build is can force close matchups against Shaman, can force a close matchup against Rogue, and is favored against Warrior. That's a really good matchup spread. When, as I said again, that's what you run into: a top legend, Shaman, 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 Rogue, Shaman, Shaman, Warrior. If that's what you're seeing, then Priest can can do well in that environment. Uh, because it never has to worry about suddenly Druid showing up. Hey, my greetings, Druids. Suddenly I need to deal with two waves of clowns or something like that. No, I don't need to worry about that. So I can go, I can have a pretty low curve with a lot of cheap removal. With weapon tech that is useless against non-weapon classes. But I don't care about them because everybody runs weapons uh, where I'm at. And uh, and I'm I can do pretty well. Now, Control Priest is another story. Control Priest is a story. It's kind of the opposite story of a Highlander Priest, where it tries to do its own thing, and it's failing at it. It's trying to play like the palm reading dream with discounting a lot of one mana spells and then going off with Bloodweaver. Well, turns out that particular strategy is terrible against Shaman and Rogues because Shaman and Rogues, they have their own mana cheating. Their mana cheating is better than your mana cheating. And your mana cheating doesn't put things stats on the board immediately. That's the biggest difference between priests and those two classes. And when you do, you fool around with your, you know, mana cheating yourself, and you're not responding to threats, and you don't run Shadow War Death, so you get blown out by the first Edwin you see, and you don't run Weapon Tech, so you get blown out by the first Knuckles you see, you just lose. You lose a lot, Hat, and Control Priest Winner is atrocious. And I've seen players hit number one legend with that deck. And the deck is atrocious. I guarantee it. It's atrocious. Like, I really don't care what people do at number one legend two days after the patch hit. Or one day after the patch hit. What matters is what happens a week after that. When people are playing optimized decks. And against optimized decks, Control Priest with Bloodweaver and Palm Reading and all that is not working. Now, what is working... We're not really sure, but we have a lead. We have a lead on Control Priest. And that's basically what every Control deck needs to do in this meta, which is run two Sticky Fingers, run some Silence Effect in order to be able to answer an Edwin, answer Rattlegore, 
in order to fatigue ETC builds. And all the removal you can have. So you can always remove your the Shaman's minions, the Rogue's minions, so that Edwin gets Shadow of Death, and then you can win from a losing position. Suddenly, he, the Rogue invested his resources and got removed by a two-mana card. So that makes a big difference. And also, Disciple of Galcon and Galcon are cards that Control Priest should run. That's the main lead that we have this week. We've noticed that there are, there's a small percentage of builds that run Disciple of Galakon, and they're far better than the builds that don't run Disciple of Galakon. Turns out having some proactive plays in the early game is a good thing, Hat. Also, those minions that you can generate from uh, Galakon can really help you in matchups like Rogue in the late game, where it becomes a really grindy fest. And as we've said, Right now, Rogue outvalues Priest, but if you run Galakron, then maybe you can find some key minions that help you um, battle Rogue more effectively in the late game and actually run them out of resources. So that's what Priest needs to do. It needs to forget about its own game plan. It needs to worry about Rogue and Shaman. How do I beat Rogue and Shaman? Focus on that, then worry about what Priest can actually do. Looking at the list we have posted, it's so weird. There's no Cabal Acolyte, there's no Wave of Apathy, there's no Palm Reading, there's no Nazmani, and there are two Sticky Fingers and a Silence. Yep. Now, the Silence can be Elusia. It's just that Elusia is really bad in Control Priest in particular. It's better in Hander because that deck is a little bit more, you know, has a, I would say, higher curve with cards that are more difficult to abuse by the opponent. You don't find yourself with uh, in situations where the Elusia can help your opponent more than you. In Highlander, it's more difficult. Uh, in Control Priest, it's a lot more awkward to play Elusia sometimes. Now, I will say, if you're playing a top legend and you need to worry about something like, um, I don't know, a Silas OTK, right? Or a Lifesteal Demon Hunter, then Elusia becomes a more reasonable option, right? Because this is a more top legend thing. Lifesteal Demon Hunter is not a deck you see outside of that. So against that matchup, then Elusia makes a lot more sense. Uh, but in general, ladder, I would suggest the Silence is better. Also, another Edwin answer to Edwin is it can't hurt. But yeah, Kaba Acolyte, not really, you know, in theory, in theory, you can think, oh, Wave of Apathy should be good against Evolve Shaman, right? But no, Hat, it's not good enough. Because if you don't kill the things, they keep getting bigger. And stealing one of their things is not helping. It's just not helping. Also, Kabakla is not particularly good against Rogue 2 because they play so many small things. So, like, Acolyte Wave is usually not a, not a game winner by any means in that matchup, too. So, yeah, it's weird. You don't do the powerful things that Priest wants to do, right? It wants to play Bloodweaver and discount a bunch of stuff. It wants to play Cabal Acolyte and Wave of Apathy. Those are Priest's stuff. But the point is, and in current meta, Priest should not do its own stuff. It should, but it needs to be reactive. It needs to be able to deal with what the opponent is doing. And what the opponent right now is doing is more powerful than what you're doing. So yeah, Veilweaver is good. But Veilweaver is good because you run death to kill the rogue Edwin or their questing adventure or the smite to kill whatever shaman mid-range random evolved minions they generate. 
that's why Veil Weaver is good. But it's not good by itself, Hat. Priest is not good by itself. Priest is only good at trying to make these decks miserable. That's what you need to embrace. I, I would imagine as a that, priest right I would now. imagine that's kind of what most priest players have been doing the entire time they've been playing priest. Yes, but we need to t kick it up a notch for this meta hat because in this meta priest is really all about responding to the opponent. And if it starts doing its own thing, it finds itself outclassed by the more powerful things that other classes are doing right now. Someday, someday Zach will be able to go full yoink again. Someday. But not today. No sticky. Not today. Sticky finger is kind of a weapon yoink. It's a different kind of yoink. Yeah, running sticky finger and priest is definitely funny and definitely fits the class identity of pissing the opponent off. Yep. I don't understand why more people are not doing that. More people should be doing that. But again, as I said before, regarding in, in, like in other classes, it's very important to not just get the sticky finger. It's also very important to clear the opponent, the shaman board, before Sticky Finger. Fight for the board, so that the Sticky Finger, so they end up evolving nothing except for maybe a Dread Corset. Yeah, you have to not die. That puts you in a winning position. Not dying is very important to winning. Yeah. Yes. Advanced strategy here in the Vicious Energy Podcast. Uh, speaking of pissing the opponent off, hey loser, wasn't me. Hey loser, wasn't me. Let's talk about Paladin. Yeah, so Paladin's pretty much in a similar position to Priest, where its its own thing exists, but it's not as powerful as the things that Shaman and Rogue can do, which means that Paladin needs to worry about these classes. Uh, which means we have a really weird build that actually works well. It's kind of inspired by uh, Jarla, who got the bow rolling with um, Blessing of Wisdom, uh, which is a card we haven't seen in a long time. Long, long, long time. But it's actually quite a good card right now. And uh, Sticky Fingers, uh, once again. Uh, and also Iron Beak Owl. In order to... Um, again, the silence effects are important for two things. One is Edwin. Uh, rogue matchup is not very hot for the Paladin. Paladin is really frustrated by the rogue matchup. And also Rattlegore, because you can you can silence the Rattlegore, then clear it with like a Liberum of Justice or whatever, and then fatigue the, the ETC control order. You can actually do that if you run a silence. If you don't run a silence, then you're going to lose to Rattlegore. <laughs> Liberum of Justice is not good enough against a Rattlegore hat if you don't have a silence. It's not going to help. So you need to be able to completely clear that thing off the board and just, you know fatigue them that way uh so this is what pal you know people are playing braggart uh it's a very common card and i'm still torn about that card because it doesn't seem again it's it's one of those things that it's more about what paladin is doing enhancing what paladin is doing which isn't good enough uh and the current meta kind of forces paladin into this completely reactive spot where it has to be able to respond the more powerful classes. Um, some people are saying, oh, but Braggart is good against Edwin. Well, if they make a 10-10 Edwin and you Braggart it, you're going to die. If you didn't deal with the Edwin, they're smacking you first. And which, which means you die. You're dead. Like, unless you, I don't know, Braggart, Braggart, Liberum of Justice that's heavily discounted into a, you know, removal. 
yeah, that's the dream to completely blow them out. But how often does that happen realistically? Not very often. I imagine the typical play is Braggart Broom, in which case, congratulations, you just played a coerce, and you should probably just run Owl instead. Pretty much. Yeah, people have mentioned that. It's just like spending two cards for the effect of one other card in the set. Yeah, that's not good enough. It works, but, like, is it actually, like, powerful? And no, Braggart right now in the current meta is not even particularly powerful. So... And you're kind of upset, usually, when you draw it off of uh, Selhout's Pride in the current meta, because, again, until turn 5, decks don't really play a lot of big stats. And if your response to a Shaman box by Knuckles on turn 5 is a braggart, you're in trouble. This meta is mostly defined by proactive threats and tech cards, and braggart is kind of not really graded either. And by the way, if anyone wanted a clear sign of how warped this meta is, think about how many decks we've talked about, say, just add two sticky fingers and a silence, and you will make the deck better. That is the clearest sign of a warp meta I can think of. It's a clear sign of these decks' game plans not holding up against the powerful classes, so they're forced to respond to their threats. Like, you cannot realistically pressure the warrior before it's able to reach the late game where it plays Rattlegore or an OTK combo. So you're forced to respond to that. You have to have a game plan in mind that the warrior survive at that point. You have to be able to consistently deal with an Edwin. You cannot be a deck, a competitive deck in the current meta... If you just regularly lose to turn four and turn five Edwins, and let me tell you, in the current meta, Edwin is more absurd than it's ever been, perhaps. Like, it's just completely stupid between preparation, foxy fraud, shadow steps. Like, whenever Rogue draws Edwin, it feels like they just drew their Death Knight or something. Like, it's just ridiculous how strong Edwin is right now. Yeah. So you need to be able to answer Edwin. And you need to be able to answer Shaman's turn 5. If you just lose to a box by Knuckles, you have no chance in this meta, which is kind of why Sticky Fingers is here, because you cannot afford to have like horrible, horrible matchup against the best deck in the game. You have to have a chance, and Sticky Finger like increases your win rate against Evolve Shaman by such a significant degree that it's enough that it's like 20-25% of the meta, something like that already puts it in a position where it's worth running. Also, since there are a lot of passive decks running Sticky Finger, Sticky Finger actually becomes better. Because you don't get... What punishes Sticky Finger? The thing that punishes Sticky Finger is like an early curve of minions, like aggro decks. You play a 5-mana 4-4 that does nothing, they laugh in your face. But aggro decks don't exist right now. So you can actually have tech cards in your hand, clogging your hand, and doesn't punish you as much as it did before because everybody's just like if you're playing control rock versus control troll priest then what the hell are they doing both of these that's just it's like uh they slap each other with wet noodles nobody's pressuring anyone so who cares if you have a five mana four four in your hand so that kind of also helps tell tech cards be more viable since it's less important to actually play things on curve Curve decks don't exist right now. There, there's no deck right now that's very prevalent that just plays one drop into two drop into three drop. 
Uh, it's all about blowout turn five, blowout Edwin, blowout questing adventure, or such things. Blowout skipper armistice, bloodsworn mercenary, or some some of that OTK or whatever. Nobody's just playing stuff on curve anymore. So tech cards are better. Yes. As a result, or they're less of a liability is a better way to phrase it. And that segues us pretty well into the next class because Pure Paladin is cards on curve and it falls off at higher levels of play because of what we just said. Yeah, Pure Paladin is probably the only curve deck, real curve deck in the meta right now. But there's nothing really to say about it. It's pretty much the same thing that it's always been, right? It's always fallen off at higher levels of play. You don't see it much at top legend. It's still good on ladder, but and it's not. It doesn't lose to shaman, but that rogue matchup. Oof. Part of the reason why pure paladin. It's not just the low skill ceiling. The deck is definitely limited there. But the higher you climb ladder, the more rogues you see, and that's bad news for pure paladin. Especially if people are still running stunners. Yeah, but you st you're still unfavored against the world kick build. Even if they don't play cores, you're still having problems. Yeah, with. this might be the worst goody two shields has ever been, just because it's so easy for Rogue to deal incremental damage. Like, they just prize plunder it and hit it with dagger and whatever, and you just lose. Um, it's, a, it's a really difficult matchup. But, speaking of the next class we're talking about, uh, you were talking about Galakrond Warlock, and it is able to be proactive... It is able to use Sticky Finger effectively, and Plague of Flames is really nice against Shaman. Yeah. So, there are two decks that are right now in Warlock that I'm kind of hyped about. Uh, the first is Zoo, and Zoo is actually good in this meta. It's not good against Rogue in particular. I would say it's much better against the Secret build. Against the Will Kick build, you have serious issues because they, they run more removal. Brain Freeze and Prize Plunder are just nightmares. Yeah. They're really, really rough. Some of them also still run SIA 7 Agent, which has been an historical enemy of Zoo, of course. So definitely that kind of build um, really makes it difficult for you as the Zoo. But Zoo can actually go pretty close against Shaman. Zoo also surprisingly does very well against Warrior. Uh, contrary to what you may perceive, Zoo is actually quite effective against Warrior. Um, and Zoo is also pretty good against other classes as well. Uh, it has a, a decent matchup spread. And its win rate is actually in the positives. It's looking like one of the stronger decks. And I see scope for improvement uh, as well uh, within that archetype. There are some there are some suboptimal. It has a higher percentage of suboptimal lists that we're seeing more than relative to other decks, for example. So there is a scope for improvement there. And Zoo is definitely a deck that's viable and you can take to ladder right now. The nerfed Demon Hunter, like all of the Demon Hunter decks being far less prevalent, is a huge boon for every Warlock archetype because Demon Hunter was the number one factor keeping Warlock out of the meta, and now it actually has room to breathe, and we see it in Zoo, but we also see it... Control Warlock got better, but it's still kind of bad. It didn't improve enough yeah. to the point where it's now viable, and, but the thing that's more important about Control Warlock not really being relevant is that Galakron Warlock, which is also a Control Warlock deck, is just far more effective. And the main reason why it's far more effective is, Pla is Plague of Flames. What an amazing card that is. It's so there bad. is no better card, there is no card, no removal card, that is more efficient 
and more effective against Evolve Shaman than Plague of Flames. That card is bonkers in that matchup and allows you to just beat Hair of Revolve, allows you to beat Box Spine Hair. It's just so flexible. Allows you to beat Edwin. Allows you to beat Questing Adventurers. It's just so efficient. And you, as long as you wisely save uh, a generator, a token generator, an invoker uh, for a specific play on curve, you need to worry about that. That's one of the things that you need to learn when you're playing Galakrond Warlock. You need to think about, am I going to play my 3-drop on turn 3? Or am I going to save it for turn 4, turn 5, in order to combo it with my Plague of Flames? Um, in order to be able to beat some 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 of my opponent's plays. That's very important. Uh, Devoted Maniac as well. Very good combo with uh, Plague of Flames. And yeah, that, that card is bonkers. But again... If you don't run double sticky finger in Galakrond Warlock and you don't hard mole for sticky finger against Shaman, you're not beating Shaman. Like, it doesn't matter how much removal you have. The fact is, they still have the knuckles and they're going to keep punching you. And Warlock is very vulnerable to being punched. You don't have a lot of life gain options other than fragments and they're not reliable forms of healing. The Shaman will kill you. But if you run double Sticky Finger, you can actually have a lot of success in that matchup. So Shaman matchup can definitely be um, overcome. And I would even say that the list that we have in the report is an actual counter to Evolve Shaman. Uh, at least uh, based on you know pre-report data. We'll see how uh, that continues to... you know progress most players um most galakron warlock players up until the report have not played two kobold sticky fingers i'm pretty much the only person who has done that once i once i figured out in the data that double sticky finger makes you favored against evolve shaman uh i started doing that and i started you know pinching that deck from the report before we published it of course and testing that out and i had fun with it uh, that's pretty much the deck I've played most of the week. Uh, it's effective against uh, Shaman, but you're gonna cry every time you hit Rogue, and that's kind of why the that's that's kind of the problem in the current meta when it comes to countering one of these decks, right? You can focus on trying to counter Shaman with Sticky Fingers, but we cannot forget that we have another really powerful deck uh, in the current meta, which is Rogue, and Rogue doesn't care about Sticky Fingers. Um, so if you, if you target Evolve Shaman, which is the, the thing to do right now, you have to do it. You have to try and beat Shaman because it's unstoppable. It just puts Rogue in an even more unfavorable spot because it's not getting the attention that it may merit. Um, and it's just like uncontested. It's just like, okay, you're going to target Shaman, then I'm going to have a free reign. Um, that's part of the problem. Uh, with a lot of decks right now that you, you cannot you can do your best in order to do as well as you can against shaman but then you hit rogues so i actually expect that rogue may become more powerful than shaman like over the next week or so maybe in a week maybe in two weeks because people are going like there is a way to reliably or at least reliably gain percentages against shaman 
by running the low-hanging fruit of Sticky Finger. But there is no reliable way to target Rogue. Like, okay, Iron Beak Owl running silence may help against Edwin occasionally. But it's not really, it's not killing the deck. It's not like a control deck is going to run silence and that's it. You silence the Edwin, that's their death knight, it's over. No, because they have endless resource generation. An endless card draw. They never run out of stuff. And if you're playing a removal-based deck, like Control Priest, like Galakorn Warlock, and you hit Rogue, it's very hard to actually win the attrition battle. So it's it's definitely challenging and uh, it's a problem. Like the meta has, a, it's this two-pronged monster that you cannot really, you, you can't cut both heads at the same time. Um, so Warlock is okay. I actually quite like the the state of the class at the moment. I think that Galcom Warlock has potential to maybe be close to 50% win rate if it improves through refinement. But it's never going to be at the level of Rogue, Shaman, whatever. But you can play it. If you don't want to play those two classes, you're not that interested in winning. It's okay. Then we've got three classes left, and these are going to be quick ones. We've got Druid. Yeah, so Druid, we've, we've said before, Sticky Finger is not really the adjustment that you can do in Druid and realistically win games, because Druid is passive in the early game. It doesn't really have great removal. It just looks to ramp. So even if it's Sticky Fingers, the Shaman, on five, it's still probably going to lose because the Shaman at that point developed a board that's good enough to punch Druid in the face multiple times and kill. Um, so it's not really a realistic solution. The only solution that we see in the Druid class in order to combat this meta is run Guardian Animals with Double Leg Thresher. That's pretty much the only way for Druid to swing back. You have to ramp. You have to play Guardian Animals and hope that the Guardian Animals comes in in time for the Bogged Spine Knuckles turn so that you actually clear the opponent's board, the Shaman's board, and get ahead. Like, that's pretty much what you need to do. Same thing with uh, Rogue. Druid just loses to Edwin. You just write that off. Like, if they make a 10-10 on turn 4, you're dead. But if they don't do that, then Thresher can help with Guardian Animals, with Twilight Runner and such. Uh, that's the best way to combat this meta. The Guardian build has always been quite promising in terms of fighting for board better compared to the non-Guardian Clown Druid build. Uh, the problem is that the problem was that the Guardian build was worse against Soul Demon Hunter. You were actually unfavored against Soul Demon Hunter because you don't have the defensive tools. You don't have the armor gain or the life gain in order to be able to not just pressure the Soul Demon Hunter, you need to also be able to gain life, gain armor, and things like that in order to defend yourself against their damage. Now, Soul Demon Hunter is kind of gone, so you can full go into the Guardian build, and that's clearly the correct choice right now. Um, but again, like, correct choice, but the correct choice is not to play Druid, because even if you play the build that we have in the report, you're not beating Shaman, you just don't get rolled over by them. You're not beating Rogue, you just don't get dumpstered by them. But there's still unfavorable matchups, and there are not enough good matchups out there beyond those two classes that make Druid better, or reasonable, or better than Tier 3. So, that's that's the state of Druid. Now, Mage. Mage is 
almost, I would say, Mage is a little bit better than Druid in the current meta. Because I think that Highland and Mage, and the build that we have in the report, which is really weird, right? It runs like secret synergy cards and two old gods. You run Yogg and Cthulhu. But it actually works. And you know, we've seen people net deck us and then say, oh, this deck somehow works. I don't know why. And I say, yeah, I, I, I get it too. I, because I saw this deck and I didn't understand why it works. It's got four 10 drops. Yeah, I have no idea why this deck works, but it actually does work, and it works better than other Highlander Mage builds. You know, you've got the two weapon techs, obviously, with the Sticky Finger and the Ooze, for obvious reasons, but you you have inevitability. The Cthulhu actually helps you in late-game matchups. You just, you know, you, you kill into a Priest, right? So Cthulhu is huge there, can be huge against uh, um, other classes too, like Broke actually needs to kill you. And and Mage actually has uh, fairly decent tools against uh, Rogue uh, to at least force, again, a close matchup. You're not beating Rogue, but you have a close matchup against it, uh, especially with the secret build. Um, the secret build is uh, helps you draw more aggressively, right? You have Sage, you have Rig Fair Game. Um, those are pretty big when you're running a Cthulhu deck. Uh, so you can force close matchups, and, and you can you can also enjoy some good matchups against other classes in the meta, which can put you at a reasonably um, competitive or viable uh, spot. But again, it's like a tier 3 deck. It's not really great. It's just playable. It's, uh, it's not a deck that you just queue into and just consistently lose with and just want to quit immediately. You're probably going to lose with it more often than not and quit on it. Uh, a few days later. It can give you some fun times for a few days until you realize that Rogue and Shaman are the best. If you have all 10 legendaries in this deck and you want to give Highlander Mage a send-off before Reno and Zephyrus rotate, you can play this deck. Yep. But it is not free to play 10 legendaries. But again, it's kind of weird, right? We're in this meta where we celebrate that a class has a tier 3 deck. Yep. It's just... It's kind of warped, right? Because we're like... We're, we're scrapping the bottom of the barrel here, trying to find tier 3 decks for Druid and Mage. Which kind of tells you all you need to know about this meta. And then we have Hunter, which is, you know, Hunter is kind of funny because, you know, nobody wants to play Hunter. Nobody wanted to play Hunter before. But Hunter was so good that some people played it. And now it got nerfed and everybody immediately decided that this deck is, you know, Hunter's dumpster now. And to an extent, like Face Hunter dropped off the face of the earth, and for a good reason, because the Voracious Reader <laughs> nerf is brutal for that particular archetype, right? Um, that is probably the archetype that got hit the most, other than Aggro Demon Hunter, by the Reader nerf. So we don't see much Face Hunter, especially high levels of play, just non existent. But Highlander Hunter is still around. And it's doing really well. It's it's weird, right? You, you would expect the deck that got nerfed by, you know, three cards were nerfed in that deck. And those were pretty significant cards. And that deck still runs these cards and still does quite well. It has one of the stronger win rates in the format. So Hunter is viable. Now, if you ask me whether to craft, recraft Dino Timur brand, I would probably say hold the dust. And maybe, maybe many players will probably make that decision because the card rotates in a few months anyway. And there are more interesting decks to play maybe in the current meta or better decks. 
So people are not going to play much Highlander Hunter. But I will say that Highlander Hunter is viable. It's competitive. It's fine. And Team 5 did not kill the deck by nerfing um, its payoff card, which kind of tells you how powerful Highlander Hunter was before the patch, right? I mean, Highlander Hunter has been Tier 1 or Tier 1 adjacent since Saviors of Uldum came out. Like, it's been a year and a half. And, yeah. and Bran has been good the whole time. And people are bored of it. P pretty much like Bomb Warrior. People are bored of Bomb Warrior. They have a gentleman's agreement that we're not going to play this deck. Like, everybody agrees. We're not playing. We know Bomb Warrior is good, but we're not going to play it. And it's kind of the similar deal with uh, Highlander Hunter, though Highlander Hunter was, like, super tier one before the patch. So it was a little bit different. It was clearly very good, so it saw some play. But now it's like, okay, we're, we're, all, we're all a bit bored and tired of it, so let, let, let the deck go. I'm kind of hoping, personally, that they unearth some things before they rotate. Like, I think Dino Timberbrand at 7 is fine for Wild. It's like, <laughs> Hunter is not very good in Wild. Alec has explicitly stated they intend on reverting that. Oh, oh really? Yep. So, like, Dragon Queen Alex Straza, like the Rogue Galakron, like the nerfs to Galakron Shaman. I think all of these nerfs can be reverted um, as these cards rotate to wild. I'm kind of hoping they do that. I'm not sure about Mogu Flesh Shaper. Maybe keep that one at nine. Yeah, yeah. Mogu Flesh Shaper, maybe not. But I'm talking about these cards that are like iconic cards, right? That got nerfed. Yeah. And you can kind of, you, you sometimes maybe you have some thirst to play these cards in wild. Like the Rogue Galakorn. Rogue is not good in wild. And Galakorn Rogue in wild is like the super meme deck. That really, if it got that little buff, it's not probably not it's still. Seal Fate and Praise Galakron is not, are not cards you can really play in wild um, very efficiently. Like yes. they're too slow for that format. So there's no threat that the zero mana, the, the mana cheating from the Galakron is is going to break wild, right? So I I think that and, and same for Dragon Queen Alexstrasza before she got nerfed. That card wasn't even played in Reno decks. Like, it was like a questionable, contested card choice. And many players opted not to run it. So I don't think it's a threat to have Dragon Queen at 9 having the previous effect from before. Because turn 9 is pretty slow for a while. Yeah. So I think we can unnerf a lot of these cards for a while. We just happen to run into this topic. And I'm hoping that... They kind of do that because I think it could be cool to be able to play with these unnerfed cards as they rotate into WoW. Which brings me to my next point. Let's talk about balance changes, Hat. What would we do right now? You know, after we talked about all the classes, we kind of... I have a list of balance changes that I would like to see as soon as possible um, in order to be able to deal with what's happening right now. And I, I, I'll list them. I, I, some of them are, uh, you know, balancing we talked before. Like Shaman, Box Spine Knuckles need to be three attack. Yep. That's a, a change that you suggested after playing against this deck a lot <laughs> over the last week. I completely agree with this change. I think it's a big change. It's a big change because we're playing a Pillager deck. It reduces the reach that Shaman has from hand where it just punches you in the face with this weapon multiple times and sometimes just wins without hitting you with a single minion. Like, sometimes you just, you remove their board multiple times and you just lose to the swings from the weapon. Like, it's just ridiculous. So reduce that, make it a little bit more uh, reliant on the board. 
Also, custodian is a change that I would make right now. I would make it a two mana one one or a three mana two two. They can decide. I don't care. But it needs to be a tempo negative play. Like the card is too powerful. A card that it reads two mana two two draw your win condition is a little bit too much, right? Yes. You're not going to see a two mana two two draw Edwin Van Cleef, right? Rogue is not going to get printed with that. So let's not give Shaman that kind of card. <laughs> so. I think it should be a tempo negative play because it's a tutor effect. It potentially draws you your win condition in multiple archetypes. Um, we're not just talking about, we're talking about the Doomhammer as well. Like that deck could emerge. I don't want that deck to have a tutor effect. That's also a pretty good, decent tempo play in the early game. Uh, you need to choose uh, in Hearthstone. Uh, so I, we need to make Custodian actually a choice. So those are two changes. I would make both of these changes right now based on the current level of the, the current power level that Shaman currently exhibits. Another change, we talked about Rogue before. I said Foxy Fraud, one mana, two, one, reduce the next combo card by one. Just make it less of a mana cheating card. And I think we can also start talking about Shadow Step. Well, so there's the question of do we start to get into the deep, deep hole of what do we do about Classic? Because I don't think that either Shadow Step or Edwin will be in Standard when rotation happens. I think those are likely both going away. I think Edwin is a lock to go away, but I'm not sure about Shadow Step. If they keep Shadow Step, it's a mistake, I think. I'm not sure Shadow Step... Like, I was thinking about Shadow Step, maybe make it like a one-mana card that reduces by three, so that Rogue cannot just endlessly Shadow Step cheap stuff, like Wand Thief. Maybe, and you can also just make, you can make Shadow Step explicitly say not less than one. You can add that text to the card. You could do that too. Uh, I, I, I was wondering about Shadow Step because, you know, there were, there were metas where Shadow Step wasn't particularly good and was actually a bait card. There were, there were decks, definitely rogue decks, where Shadow Step was not as good as it was advertised to be or perceived to be. But in, like... In current Miracle Rogue, the card is just nonsense. Like It's just so good. <laughs> so I'm thinking maybe this card is a little bit limiting for the future. It's definitely a card that you can look at um, for, for the classic rework. But I think the minimum thing that we need to do when it comes to Rogue is nerf Foxy Fraud. This card is going to stick around for another 12 months after rotation. And it does way too much. Yep. Right? It's a combo enabler plus a mana cheater in the early game. It's too much. Uh, I, I I don't like the change to two two. I don't like the two two and keep it two. Uh, it it does too much mana, mana cheating. We need to reduce it. Make it just a combo enabler on curve, which is what my changes. Suggest. I would nerf it harder than you would. I would just make it reduce by one. Keep the stats the same. You could also do that, though. That you know, that b busts the curve. Also makes it. Oh, still makes it quite good with shot. I guess, I guess that's an optional change as well. I don't want the card to be free. I do not want the card to be free. I want it to cost some amount of mana. It's still good with Wand Thief. It's still good with Prize Plunder. It's still fine with Shadow Step. You can't combo. You can with also that make one. Shadow Step cost one mana. Just I mean, leave it as it is. Assuming that they're going to change a card that's been in the game for seven years, I think that's less likely. I think it's more likely that they change things in Classic and that they just nerf the effect of Foxy Fraud because Fro Foxy yeah. Fraud should cost at least one. And at least if it's a 2-mana 3-2 that reduces combo by 1, you can still play 1-mana combo cards. You can still activate combo in a way, but 
I don't need the card to be that efficient at activating Swindle or Evil Miscreant. It's okay for it to be a little bit less efficient. That that deck needs to cost more mana. Yeah, uh, I, I can see your point. Uh, either way, Foxy Fraud needs to change. Yep. Like, that card cannot be left the way it is. It's busted. It's insane. And I still want Bloodsworn yeah, to yeah. move to 4 mana. Bloodsworn Mercenary needs to be a 4 mana 3-3, three, three, and I would cha- keep that card in Wild as well as a 4 mana 3-3. Three, three. Uh, and another change that I would do for just three months. I would revert this change immediately upon rotation. Wrench Caliber to two attack. Ugh. I mean, I don't think they'll do it, but I want it. No, it's not about it's not about me and you don't not liking Bomb Warrior. This is a legitimate and objective concern that I see in the matchup spread. If we nerf Shaman and Rogue. Bomb Warrior could be out of control. Like, Bomb Warrior is a deck that people are not playing much right now. And, like, as a listener, you might be listening, oh, Zacco just hates Bomb Warrior and wants to nerf Bomb Warrior. No, no, no. Guys, this is completely objective. Bomb Warrior is actually very dangerous if Shaman is nerfed. So I just don't want Bomb Warrior to potentially mire a mid-expansion set where people play with new stuff and new cards and whatever. We're going to get some new cards like January 19th probably. And then people just play Bomb Warrior. And if you nerf Control Warrior, then it's just going to push more people into Bomb Warrior. And it's going to be very convenient to run that deck. And considering the deck is really powerful right now, in a Shaman meta, where one of its, its worst matchup is the dominant deck of the format, you have to nerf Bomb Warrior. Like, if you don't want to see it, like, be exceedingly popular in the event of nerfs to the top two, two classes, or the top three decks, or the top four decks, it can potentially be very dangerous. And Bomb Warrior is generally just anti-fun. It is a deck that kind of counters fun. Because you want to play your Highlander deck, the last three months before rotation and you just got get wrench calibered or you want to play this new strategy and you get wrench caliber and the deck the card is very limiting now in wild it might serve an important role at some point like it's not super common in wild but it does exist but i don't mind making this change just for three months so we can have a proper retirement for this archetype but there is a danger that if we nerf shaman then Bomb Warrior will get out of control. So I would like to reduce that risk, remove it, and again, revert the change after. There's just no good way to nerf Bomb Warrior hat. Like, you have to make this card kind of unplayable for three months if we want to have a fun meta. That's the honest truth. We've seen enough Bomb Warrior for two years. This deck has been here for two years. And I really, am, I don't think anyone is interested in Team 5 seeing that deck be the best deck um, on January 20th. I don't think anyone wants to see that. So let's prevent that from happening proactively and look at this matchup spread and see the danger and deal with it right now. That's my suggestion. I like it. And as I said, it's a completely objective suggestion. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, looking at the matchup spread. The worst matchups are Evolve Shaman, Control Warrior, and Libroom Paladin. And if they nerf Bloodsworn and they nerf Boxbind, I'm Knuckle. telling you, it's going to be a problem. The deck is 100% percent 
going to be a big problem if they make the uh, the nerfs that they should be making, right? They should be nerfing Rogue and Shaman. If that happens and they nerf Control Warrior 2, Bomb Warrior will be out of control. So just nerf Wrench Caliber for three months. You can move it back to three attack when it rotates to WoW, just like Dino Timber Brand, maybe Dragon Queen Alex, maybe the Rogue Galakron, the Shaman Galakron, the Warrior Galakron, Scion of Ruin. I don't mind that being three mana at WoW, by the way, as well. Yeah. So uh, don't just, revert Ankar. Leave that at two. Yeah, yeah. Ankar, you can keep it as it is. <laughs> yeah. Do not yeah, give Power Warrior a two, three Ankar. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's going to do it for this week's episode. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all of our supporters and VS Gold and Patreon. And look forward to the next report on New Year's Eve uh, and the next podcast on January 2nd. Yeah. It's been, we're going to finish out the year here, Zach. And, uh, Thank you so much, everyone. That's that's listened to the podcast this year. We've had a lot of fun putting it together. It's been a it's been a, a tough twenty twenty, but this podcast has been one of the better parts of it. Thank you, guys, for all of your support. Uh, even at times where the meta isn't ideal, and personally, I'm not having too much fun right now in Hearthstone. But hopefully, things will get better in just a few weeks. We just have to wait for Team Five to get back from the holidays, and they should enjoy their holidays too, right? And in the meantime, I'm I'm having fun at Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds is great right now. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So have fun in Battlegrounds and have fun in whatever game mode. Um, just remember, kids, if you see a shaman, just finger them. Oh, boy. Okay. I guess we'll leave the show there. So thank you so much to Steven Sensei for the intro and outro. And uh, we'll talk to you next year. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.